the difference that a doula, postpartum doula, can make for new parents is massive. But there's such a small portion of new parents who will bring that kind of support into their parenting journey, especially first-time parents. Most of the parents that bring me along tend to be parents who already know that they don't have much else of support around them. But it's really tough for first-time parents to know how much help they're going to need. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. Today, I had the chance to interview Patricia, who is a postpartum doula, which is something I didn't even know existed and I truly wish I had known about back when I was a brand new mom. Now it's been 11, well, actually almost 12 and 13 years since I brought my babies into this world. But I can tell you the heartache of it still sticks with me. As much as babies are amazing blessings, and I am so thankful every day for all the days I've gotten to spend with my little ones, I truly will never forget how hard it was to be a new mom and how much I thought I knew what I was getting myself into, but really had no clue. So today, Patricia and I are talking about all things prepping for baby, how we don't need to go as overboard as we think we do, and what we can do to prepare ourselves for the tough stuff that comes after the hospital sends us home. This is such an amazing conversation for those of you who have maybe already gone through the baby years or are prepping for them or know someone who's about to go through them. This might be an episode worth sharing, even if it's not something that you can totally relate to in your current life, because I guarantee you there are mamas out there who need this talk. Let's get to it. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Renee. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. We get to sit down and chat. Yeah, I'm Uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah. For anybody who uh, hasn't been introduced to you before, do you want to give us a quick breakdown of who you are, what you do? 
Sure. Uh, my name is Patricia, and I am a postpartum doula and sleep consultant, and I help families prepare for life with their babies. That's so huge. Uh, you know, and I remember, um, it seems like way back in the day, I suppose, just mm -hmm. becoming a new mom. My first mommy meltdown was when I was pregnant and I went to Target and we were trying to do the registry for everything we needed. And I literally sat down in the middle of the aisle at Target and felt so overwhelmed when I learned that you had to switch the bottle nipples every three months <laughs> because that I just seemed like there was so much to learn, so much to do. And I mean, as becoming a new mom, there's so much, my body's constantly changing. I'm trying to prepare for a baby. And then on top of it, there's all this stuff that I'm being told that I need. Do you help families kind of wade through the overwhelm of all of that? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's very easy to get overwhelmed because never has so much depended on you making the right decision, you know? And it just seems like if you could just get the right stuff into your house um, and, and get the right tools and equipment, then maybe your postpartum experience will be better. You know, right. it'll be fine and you'll be able to manage it. Um, so yeah, for sure, walking with families as they're preparing for the postpartum period, as they're trying to decide how much of this stuff are we going to buy? How much of this stuff are we realistically going to use? Um, that's, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Do you have any like sort of thing that you tell people how to kind of rein in on that? Uh, I, yeah, that's a good question. Um, we talk a lot about like what their, to clarify what their vision is for the postpartum period and what they're most worried about. Um, and what their like absolute must or must nots are for their birth and the postpartum period. Because when you get clear on those things, then it's easier to make decisions about how to like, how to set up the, the, the extra supplies that you need. Um, if you know that you're focused on sleep, for example, then, um, you can hone in just on that, that set of tools and forget about all the other stuff for now. Um, if your one concern is that you, you help your baby meet all of their developmental milestones for play and growing and that kind of stuff, then we can talk about um, what kind of, I don't know, play equipment babies need, baby gyms and books and, and um, mobiles and that kind of thing. Um, but for, I think for each family, their goals and their visions are very specific and unique, but a lot of people don't talk about it in advance. They, sometimes they're really deeply held interior kind of wishes. Like, of course we want our babies to, to thrive physically, emotionally. Um, but maybe like we have this lingering thing where we're really worried that we're not going to sleep again and we're going to turn into this you know, monster that we're going to fall apart emotionally because we're not getting the sleep that we want. So trying to figure out like, what is the big, um, like the big worry that new parents have going into this? And what is the most important 
uh, like ideal outcome that they're looking for. Clarifying those things helps us get to uh, the, the answers of how to rein in this impulse to buy the things that we want to get to what we think should be the outcome for the postpartum period. Right. That makes so much sense. And I think that's something so huge. Even when I talk to people about uh, decluttering, it's almost the first step. I almost feel like it has to be the first step for everything we do in life is asking yourself, okay, what do you actually want? What's your vision for this next period in your life? What's your vision? And especially I think being a new mom, there were so many other moms who were just ready to interject well-meaning. They just wanted to, you know, give me their advice and um, their knowledge that they had. But I think when I didn't take the time to really think about what I I wanted, it was so easy to think, well, I have to do what all of these other people are telling me. I have to, you know, like they know better. They've done this before. Um, And it can just become such a jumble. And then, yeah, you throw in the baby marketing on top of it. And it's hard to know, like, because you don't want to be the mom who didn't have the right thing or (laughs) do the right thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like um, my natural instinct was to go overboard. Like, oh, if I go overboard, then I'll at least be covered. Um, But that created a lot of overwhelm too, so. Yeah, that's how you end up with like 12 different kinds of pacifiers. And yeah, yeah. Then my kids didn't even do pacifiers, so <laughs> it was pointless. Same, Renee. My kids also did not care about pacifiers. So it's like, funny. what was all that for? Right, right. And it's funny, like, uh, in the beginning, I wish they had took a pacifier. Like, please, I just wish you would take this. But then it's like, well, I guess I don't have to do the weaning of the pacifier, you know, two years from now or something like that. So... It does simplify things. Oh, absolutely. So do you feel like, uh, how many kids do you have? I have two of my own, yeah. Okay. Do you feel like, even though you had all of this knowledge and teaching, you know, or um, experience, did you kind of still struggle with it as you became a new mom? I had a unique experience because when I was six months pregnant. My husband and I moved from outside Seattle, where we were living, to Japan. Mm. And this was a military move. He's not active duty or anything, but he's working for the government. And so they sent us to Japan. Um, We knew about, we knew this was coming in August. We learned that he had got the job the very same week that we learned that I was pregnant. Oh, no. (laughs) So we thought, well, this will be a fun adventure. Let's do it. Um, I was working as an ESL teacher at the time, and I thought, well, I've never been to Asia to teach English. This will be like really a great, a great experience for both of us. Yeah. And we knew it would be for three years, and then we would be able to come home or stay another year. And so when when I was preparing like the registry and the trying to decide which things we needed to bring with us, I was still. I was just um, coming up to the end of my second trimester and like the reality of what life with a baby was going to be like had not hit yet. I was still far enough away, but at the same time, I knew that it was going to be really difficult to get whatever the best, the best supplies were going to be once we were in Japan. Um, you know, I can still order from Amazon, but it, the wait for things to come from 
like through the military mail network would be significantly longer. Um, and like the Japanese baby stores just carry different kinds of things. So I had to be prepared for that going over there. Yeah. So I, I found the minimalism sort of culture very attractive because I was like, I can make do with less. Absolutely, I can. And, you know, not, not fall into the consumeristic trap and, you know, look after the environment because it won't be buying things that unnecessarily that we don't need. So already I was feeling like pulled into this, um, this way of life, um, like decluttering and, and trying to make do with, um, you know, just less than the marketing engines tell us we need. Right. Um, and then when I had my second baby, we were back in America again, and I tried very hard to reuse almost everything. Um, but it helped that I was especially, so for my first baby, I spent a lot of time on the internet because I was living in Japan and my baby didn't sleep much. So I was looking for help everywhere online. Um, and like you, I got a lot of advice about the swings and the swaddles and the pacifiers and other supplies that I needed to make sure that he was eating well and how to get him to sleep better, you know, different white noise machines and um, all of these things, lots and lots of advice, but I couldn't get those things. I couldn't get those tools very easily. So that sort of limited my ability to like gobble up all the things, right? Borrowing a swing from a friend and trying a swing out for a little while and then giving it back to her when it didn't work. <laughs> And I was so relieved that I didn't have to buy one and then have it, you know, taking up a corner in our living room for the next six months. Because yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And, but then when I had my second baby, I didn't, uh, like, in between my two kids, that's when I became a doula. Um, and I spent a lot less time uh, looking for answers for how to look after my baby outside of myself. I wasn't on the internet nearly as much. And so there was a lot, I felt a lot less uh, drawn to, like, if only I had the right equipment, this would be easier. Yeah. Oh, that that definitely sense. the definition for my first, for my first baby. But the whole time I wondered, what am I doing wrong? What else do I need? What thing do I need that would make this easier? Because it was a really hard time. Yeah. I love that. I hate it. I, I yeah. hate it. I love it because I, I very much relate. And I think um, we do that so many areas of our life. But like you said, when we know we're being put in charge of such a big life or death responsibility, uh, the pressure becomes so much stronger and we doubt ourselves so much, uh, especially when, you know, we maybe haven't been a mother yet. You know, it's, it's really easy to doubt that we're capable of it. Yeah. Uh, I love, I have two questions for you. So number one, I guess one question, I love what you said about the borrowing a swing from a friend. I think that's so smart. And I have two girlfriends who kind of like had babies off of each other, you know, like one, one year, one, the next year. And they just swapped toys and those big, those big equipment things like the, the play saucer, the extra saucer things and the swing. And it was just so genius and so great for them because they kind of just were able to give things back and forth and um, get through those times with a little bit less clutter at different times and without having to buy all of the excess stuff. 
Um, but I also wondered when you're looking uh, in Japan and the Japanese stores. So I feel like I'm my grandma's from Japan. So I kind of try to like, whenever I see something that's Japanese, I try to pay a little more attention where you've got, I think sometimes you can look and find the very strong minimalist culture side of Japan. But then also you think of like the Tokyo side where it's like you have a computer toilet, you know? <laughs> so what more is more? <laughs> right, right. You know, it's so I feel like it's really dramatic in Japan from what I've ever seen. Um, what did you find when you were looking at the stores? I'd be curious. Was it like America where they're kind of pushing all these things on you? Or was it very minimalist? Um. It was like going to the, so there was one baby store that was pretty close to us and being inside that store reminded me of being at Bed Bath and Beyond. Okay. So um, we didn't have, I only went to one other baby store in America before we moved. And I think it was like one of the last babies are us, but like they're gone out of business now, right? Yeah. Uh, bye, bye, bye bye babies all done. I never went to one of those when I had my second baby. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but I found the Japanese baby store was, was really packed full of things that would solve that promise to solve almost any problem a mother could come up with as a yeah. problem. So it was fascinating because I like I would walk around with my six week old, my 10 week old, you know, when my baby was three months old, we'd wander through it again. And here were all these problems that parents had that I had never experienced, nor would I ever conceive of like needing a thing to help me manage this difficulty. Yeah. So it was quite, quite in awe at, um, you know, the, the creativity um, that we have as people um, to try to make our lives a little bit easier. But make them real hard. They end up being harder. Do you feel like? Yeah, for sure. I, I do think that when we are um, yeah, constantly trying to like look for things, and I'm talking about physical things, right? Like physical right. tools as the solution to our problem. I think that really um, undermines our ability to listen to ourselves to learn to trust ourselves, to follow our instincts. Um, yeah, and sort of like hand our power over to our stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it kind of reminds me of maybe kitchen gadgets. Like there's always a new kitchen gadget that's designed to make your life easier. But then you purchase like 10 new things that are going to make your life easier that could have been solved with like a single knife. You know, like a strawberry cutter and an egg cutter and an avocado cutter, you know, those types of things. And I know I've heard, you know, they can really benefit people with disabilities, like people who struggle with that kind of thing. But I think a lot of us just buy them because we think they're really cool or slick and it end up, ends up just taking up space and cramming up our drawers and we can't get to anything. And I remember kind of thinking that when it came to the baby stuff, and one thing that stands out to me, so I want to, I would wonder if you have a certain thing that you saw and you just thought this is totally pointless <laughs> because I don't know if it was during my baby shower, but I heard from a cousin of mine and she said the, it was a baby wipe warmer. 
it kept your baby wipes warm. She was like, it is so, she's very animated. She's like, that's so stupid. You don't need to pamper their butts. Just wipe their butts. They don't care. Because then you know what happened when you're out in public and you've got the cold wipes, they're all coddled and accustomed to the warm wipes. And so then they cry and, you know, and I love that she gave me that, that thought because most of the time I'm probably not going to have my little baby wipe warmer. And yeah, I don't want to give my kid a shock and have them be all overreacting because there's a cool wipe on their, on their bottom instead of the warm ones. Um, and I wasn't really thinking about the wipes. It wasn't too much on my mind, but she really made it hammered at home that it was not a necessity and that she thought it was a little overkill. <laughs> so for me, I think the, the one that I got, um, that I sort of, I feel like I got suckered was the weighted sleep sacks. So I, we, you can buy all kinds of swaddles and sleep sacks that, that, somehow do different things for your baby <laughs> and the swaddle that my babies both liked best I think was called it had to do with peas and a sweet pea or a sleep pod I don't know something like that <laughs> where you just zip them into this little like potato sack and then they they just feel all snug and secure right yeah then once they came out of that I I was looking for like an arms free sleep sack and I ended up buying the one that has like the little weight for the chest so that the baby can feel like, you know, your hand is on their chest, soothing them as they're falling to sleep. And even when I bought it and it's, it's like $45, that's a, that's a lot of money to spend on a sleep sack. I was like, this is not going to work. How can that be a thing? And I still fell for it. You know, I still feel like I was, I was drawn in the siren call <laughs> and yeah, my, my kids slept in it for, you know, four or five months until they outgrew it, but it didn't mimic my hand. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. No, it's funny because even, even as you say it, I'm like, no, that sounds really good. That's it's, it sounds, cool. you know, it's a good, um, even makes me think of like the weighted blankets we have these days, just that kind of added pressure is supposed to kind of give that cuddle comfort, comfort, right? Yeah. And like, I would never buy a magic Merlin sleep suit. Um, it's a, like an extra thick puffy sleep suit <laughs> that you put a baby in that kind of immobilizes them. It helps them like stay on their back. It helps reduce the flinching or the twitching that startles them awake when they're very young. And it's used as a, it's used as a transition device between swaddle and not swaddle. And so for some babies, it can be, for some families, it feels really helpful, but does a baby need a transition device from being swaddled to not being swaddled? Yeah. When in fact, the thing that can help them stop twitching and jerking themselves awake is not being swaddled. That can help them outgrow the, the startle reflex. Okay. So I was like, no, I'm not buying a magic Merlin sleep suit. Are you joking? And I still bought the weighted sleep suit. So. so I haven't seen this magic Merlin suit, but it sounds like a torture device. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to look it up because the way you explain it sounds so awful. <laughs> yeah, like imagine like a six month old wearing a, like a puffy snowsuit. Okay. And it's, but it makes them feel so safe and secure and parents really love it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'll have to look it up. But so, you know, for me personally, I guess what I did was 
I think I was pretty minimal even before I would consider myself a minimalist when it came to the purchasing of kids stuff. And, you know, we never, um, found out genders of our baby. So we didn't color coordinate anything. So everything was greens and yellows and which was really nice because we were able to just reuse everything. Nothing was, um, you know, a big deal by any means. Um, and as soon as my kids were out of a phase, I was done with that thing. I think it was my body's way of saying you thrive with less. And I, before I even really applied it to my life, I couldn't wait to get the big chunky baby stuff out of my house. Uh, so is there anything you ever say, or, you know, to people to kind of say, help them pump the brakes on those desires that we have? Cause I mean, like you said, you know, we all kind of give into them because they sound really great or really helpful. Yeah. So promising. Uh, I think it's, it's really important, especially for people who are already sort of like inclined to notice that they're shopping in order to um, um, like answer or, or to quiet a fear that they have or a worry that they have. The reason that I bought the weighted sleep sack, even though I, I was so skeptical that it was going to work was because my baby wasn't sleeping great. Um, I didn't become a sleep consultant until after my, I had my, I'd had my second baby and I kind of knew what to do already. And I knew, I knew what to do and I bought it anyway because I really wanted it to be easier. So for people who are like self-aware enough to notice that this is happening, it's important to um, like delay, right? Delay the purchase, uh, give yourself a night to sleep on it and ask yourself if there's a different way to sort of ease your fears or worries that's inspiring you to make this purchase or or that's drawing you towards this thing. Um, Buying something out of like a a fear compulsion or a stressed compulsion is like, it it doesn't feel good in the moment and it's not going to feel good afterwards. Um, So if you can slow that down and find a different way to resolve that fear or worry that you have, it'll almost certainly be more long lasting. So um, as a doula, for example, the sleep worry is the big thing. Feeding worries is another um, soothing a fussy baby is another, and you know, there are, there are things that you can buy to soothe a fussy baby, to help your baby with feeding, to help your baby with, uh, digestive issues or tummy troubles. There are, I mean, you know about, uh, the, there's a brand here in America, the Frida brand of baby products. They have, they have nose suckers, right? And there's also a device called a windy do you know what the windy does, Renee? No. It's not used in the nose. It's used at the opposite end when a baby's got gas. And so like there, there are tools that you can buy to solve a wide variety of things that you might struggle with as a parent for feeding, for fussing, for baby sleep. Um, the, the most expensive bassinet here is attached to a computer that will like jiggle and rotate the bassinet ever so gently to get your baby back to sleep. And it, it is fancy enough that it matches your baby's um, uh, energy. <laughs> so if your baby's only a little bit restless, a little bit upset when they wake up in the middle of the night, the bassinet will only jiggle a little bit. And if your baby gets more upset, it, it 
you know, activates a, a stronger jiggle reflex. Um, so there, there are so many things that you can buy, but what might be better is talking to a professional about those things. So if you have a very fussy baby with feeding issues, perhaps your money and your time is better spent connecting with somebody who knows all about babies with digestive issues, like a lactation consultant, for example. If your baby's very gassy or spits up a lot, or if you suspect they have reflux, then you need to deal with that instead of buying like more supplements for your baby. For example, like gripe water if your baby's fussy. Or like um, if, you're, if you're struggling with baby sleep, instead of buying a really fancy bassinet or a better swaddle or another you know, white noise machine, consider getting like a sleep consultant or a nighttime doula, a newborn care specialist to help teach you how to help your baby to sleep better and solve the problem that way instead. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And when you say that, I remember being a new mom and it, it was tough, especially as someone who like I'm recovering shopaholic, um, fear-based shopping, but also I found myself like where I wouldn't have said like I was panic shopping. I would have said, I'm excited shopping. Like I would so easily buy into this brand new thing and get so excited. So I've kind of found like my emotions need to be even keel. And when I was a new mom, my emotions were anything but even keel. Uh, and my daughter didn't sleep. She was always crying and we had, you know, people come and help with her digestive issues. Um, but I almost feel like if I would have just had someone, yeah, you know, walk me through and tell me, you know, that this is normal or this is okay, or, or teach me soothing methods. Um, that would have been so beneficial because I just remember like, um, it was like the more she cried, the more my anxiety went up, the less I felt like I was capable of soothing her because I, when you talk about the bed matching the baby's energy, it was like, she was matching mine most likely because I was just a giant ball of stress um, and constantly seeking answers. Uh, is there anything you say to moms? I say, I would suppose like to help them learn to trust themselves throughout the process. Cause that's what I, that's what I truly wish I would have had. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to do as a doula. Uh, get to know new parents and figure out um, like what they need in order to feel capable and confident. And I, I wish there were, um, you know, words of advice that I could provide through a podcast episode like this. Um, but the most important thing is a relationship with someone that you trust, because I can tell you, it's going to be all right, Renee. It's just a short time. Um, stick with it. You're doing a great job. None of that, none of those words are going to make any difference to your anxiety levels. If you don't know me, if you know that I don't really know anything about your baby or what you've gone through these last two weeks and how little you've slept and how much you've cried. And so in my doula work, the thing that makes the difference is the ongoing relationship that I have with parents where when they've had a really terrible night and then we meet in the morning, they don't have to explain, um, you know, all the, all the reasons they think the baby's crying or all the, all the, <laughs> the things that make them feel so bad as a new parent, because I already know them and I already know about 
how they wished things had gone and the things that they've already tried. Um, so having somebody by your side who has been there with you through it, when they then deliver those words of encouragement, I know you're trying so hard um, and helping you to see the things that have already improved or um, the things that they see you doing well, I think that can make way a, a way bigger impression than, you know, like buying yourself a coffee and, uh, you know, some coffee cake at Starbucks. Yeah. What you need the relationship and the encouragement from that relationship. Oh, absolutely. And so, um, I would have done anything for that kind of a relationship. Cause I, um, didn't really trust anyone in my life to be that kind of advice. And most of my friends were still partying while I was having babies. Um, so I love that you say you kind of continue a relationship after the baby is born and support new moms. That's so huge. Um, but do you think new moms have a tough time with discerning, like, you know, someone who would see a doula as more for them. And that instantly just starts that mom thing that we tend to do where all I don't need that for me. Like my baby needs this. My baby needs this rather than wanting to invest in a doula for yourself. Uh, you know, what piece of advice would you give to someone? Or what do you think? Because for me, what I'm trying to say is I think so many women would be, would want desperately to have someone there to walk them through everything, but think that, it's selfish or something they don't need that, that they need to focus more on their baby. But in reality, oh man, you know, if, if, if the mom has the support, if the parents have the support, the baby gets the support, you know, do you ever have to walk people through that reminder? Yes. Thank you for saying that, Renee. This is why I am here with you today is because I, I know that this work, that, that the, the, difference that a doula postpartum doula can make for new parents is massive but there's such a small portion of new parents who will um bring that kind of support into their parenting journey especially first-time parents um, i feel like uh, most of the parents that bring me along tend to be older parents um, they're having babies a little bit later or um, parents who already know that they don't have much else of support around them, uh, like if their parents live on if their parents live on the other side of the country or their support network in town is limited, um, then they tend to hire for help. But it's really tough for first-time parents to know how much help they're going to need and to and to conceptualize that um, it's better for them to set themselves up for success in advance than to try it out and see how it's going to go and then play catch up afterwards. And um, yeah, I had, I had one friend um, who I know, like we studied together in university. And when she had a baby, I asked her what I could do to help make her shift into motherhood 
easier. Um, uh, I like I have this course that you can take to prepare for the postpartum period. And let me know if you want to talk about baby sleep. And she just kept saying, I think we'll be fine. I don't know if we're going to need help, which to me seems <laughs> crazy. What do you mean you don't think you're going to need help? But I was the same. Yeah. We're going to Japan. We'll be fine. <laughs> How hard can it be? We were two educated grown-ups. Surely we can look after one baby. <laughs> yeah. And it is, so it's really hard. It's still tricky, um, especially because here in America, we, we look out for ourselves. We have to look after ourselves. And once you're released from medical care, after you have your baby, you're really, it's really up to you to decide how much help you want. There's nobody else coming to like knock on your door and call and check and make sure that you're fine. You have to reach out when you need help. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm doing my best to share that this help is available and it is valuable. Um, and, but, but like families have to be self-aware enough to decide that they want an experience that's better than just fine. Yeah. So to me, that makes me think because I was the same way. And after all of my girlfriends, like I said, I kind of had baby first. So I got to be the one that they asked all the questions to, but I was so lost, you know, and struggling and had no one to turn to, but every single one of them said like the moment that the hospital goes, okay, you can go home. They had this like, oh my God, I can't go home. You can't send me home. Like, what am I supposed to do? This kind of panic. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be so smart because like we were talking about in the beginning with all of the stuff, we're so quick to listen to all the older moms, all the experienced moms on the stuff we need. But if we started to have more open and honest conversations, which I think the world is starting to, and I think that's amazing, of moms who were saying, nope. It's really hard after having a baby. I don't care if you're two full grown, confident adults who made it through college. I don't care how, you know, well off you are financially. I don't care. You are going to have a tough time, hmm. you know, rather than trusting like the baby wipe. Oh, I'll, I don't need the baby wipe arm or someone saying you are going to need help after this though, you know, and, and just going, okay. And trusting and using that as part of the plan. Um, if that makes sense, you know, like planning for postpartum help, because I think a lot of times we just plan for the baby to just arrive and then that's it, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we make birth plans and the, the midwife or OB office or whatever walks you through how that day is going to go and all the contingencies and uh, how they'll look after you. And then you'll be discharged do you have any questions about what happens after that and you're like I don't know are we yeah. going to be fine I guess I just feed the baby all the time I you know um but then there's this uh you know I we don't for those of us who've been there we don't want to frighten new parents we don't want to stress them out and make it seem like it's going to be terrible um right. and but there's also like a whole like millions of highlight reels of people who are really having a great time with their newborns on social media. And there's no, like, there's no, it, it's either like this sucks and I hate my life 
or it's so beautiful. I'm so in love with my baby and my life is finally complete. But there's a whole huge area of gray in between where a lot of support would would could, can bring you closer, you know, away from the terror to the highlight reel. But it's it's easier to get there if you make a plan for that. Yeah. And honestly, that's so great if there are people who feel that highlight reel, but having watched, I have my little group of friends, but there's like seven of us. I don't think anyone had the highlight reel. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's such a scary, awful thing. I hope that's not the message that I'm giving out, but just that it's a very, you, you can plan, you can plan all the stuff. You can plan all the schedules. You can plan all of that stuff, but I don't think any of us are ever fully prepared for the emotional change that happens in us when we become parents. And that can be so beneficial to have that someone as a support system for that. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I know I talk so much, but I would also say I probably looked like the highlight real person because I did love my baby. I took so many pictures of her when she was born. I spent all day with her just snapping away. But I also just struggled through the days with no one to talk to. And I guess the only kind of connection I felt like I had was people commenting on the pictures going, she's so cute. She's getting so big. It was like, that was the only connection I felt like I had. Um, I think it's helpful to do that. I think parents must share the highlights because there are so many low times that um, can make you feel discouraged and desperate and lonely um that it's really important to take the pictures and make the posts to remind yourself that like every day is not like two in the morning yeah you know for months on end um when when the nights are so long and so hard you've got to have something to remind you that it's not like this every day and that like you have family around you who loves who loves and encourages you, even if they're not immediately there to help you. And if you can manage it, get someone who's not family and friends, who's not biased. I mean, who yeah. won't, who won't judge you, um, who has you know the experience and the expertise to help you shift into parenthood in a way that feels really good to you. So whether you're like attachment parenting minded or um, so like you're crunchy, the opposite of crunchy is silky, whether you're a little mix of both, um, someone who gets what you're going through and will help you get to where you want to go as a parent and doing that in, like in relationship with someone who's committed to your well-being and your growth as a parent is so, so valuable. Yeah. So you said you have a course that you offer that kind of um, walks people through the postpartum. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's all in what's what's in that? <laughs> yeah, the so I, I broke it down into. Let me start from the beginning. Last summer, I interviewed a whole bunch of parents who became parents during the pandemic, and I asked them, um, like, we just had a whole bunch of questions about how the, how prepared they felt for life with their baby the options that they had for care afterwards, what they felt was missing. Um, You know, as a a postpartum doula, I wanted to make sure that, um, that I was meeting families where they were at. And so from this interview series, 
it became clear that there was this huge gap after they had had their babies where it just felt like they were kind of on their own. And as a doula, I can only help like one family at a time. And so what I did was I, I put the, their most common questions or concerns about the postpartum period into this course. And it fell into like four, four very clear camps. And the first of that was um, they didn't know what, what to expect. And so um, like what to expect emotionally and how to establish boundaries for themselves and between them and their partner so that they could get their needs met. So there's a whole section in the course about um, clarifying and articulating your own needs uh, for yourself, the, the habits that you stick to every day that make you feel um, good in your body, that help you feel like you're going to have a good day. For me, that means I'd love to have a shower and uh, like a solid breakfast with a cup of coffee. Um, for other people, it means that they need to go for a walk with the dog or sit and read in quiet for 20 minutes before the day starts. Um, but making sure that you are able to articulate those things for yourself first to know that this is a need that you have. And then also with other people that you're sharing your house with after the baby so that they know to help you prioritize those things so that those early weeks with the baby don't come and go and leave you feeling like there was no room for you in your life, you know? So the whole first section is about articulating your needs, the, your happy habits, um, your absolutes and your like big fears and worries about the postpartum period so that you can establish boundaries around those things for yourself. And then the whole second section is about what you're going to eat in the postpartum period, uh, how to meal prep, uh, the different options for that, how to arrange your baby stations, how to not buy all the things. You know, you need things for the baby and it's okay to, I think I heard you say something about selective minimalism <laughs> earlier this week, last week, where there are times in your life when you're not going to be able to be as minimalist as maybe you right. aspire to be. And baby time is one of those. It, it's impossible I found it impossible to get through without like lots more stuff than I would normally like in my house. Right. So I'll tell you what the essentials are <laughs> to make sure that you have what you need to get through and not a ton more than that. Um, and then also how to set the rest of your life on autopilot so that the bills can get paid and like your, the rest of your life keeps going in the background while you're swamped with baby stuff. And of course, families are always really worried about how to look after, how, how will I know how to look after a newborn when I've never looked after a newborn before? So lots of education around um, fussy babies and feeding babies and baby sleep, what's normal and what's possible. And then the last section's all about who the other birth baby and postpartum pros are that are out there that are local to you so that when you run into trouble or you feel like, oh my gosh, I could really use a hand with something, you already have a list of people who you know uh, are located uh, near you that, to look after you for that problem. So you don't have to do any of that hunting while you've got a, you know, a baby crying on your shoulder. Well, that sounds amazing. So imagine if you had all of those resources available to you from day one. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, so in, as I'm hearing you say this, I think uh, what a great gift idea that would be for a baby shower thing. If you are a, uh, 
an experienced mom and you know, it can be tough, but you also know most of us think we're going to be just fine um, to gift that resource to somebody. Uh, that would be really, really amazing. So uh, we'll make sure to get a link from you and we can link to that in the show notes. And then is there any other places that people can connect with you or learn more about uh, postpartum doula services? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram, mostly in my stories at PP doula Patricia for postpartum doula Patricia. And, you know, on my website, patriciagrenzeman.com. And I'm running the course monthly, the prepping for parenthood course. So you can jump in anytime. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. This was a blast from the past, I feel like, but it's something I, I really love being able to talk about. And so I hopefully, hopefully this message finds all the new moms out there um, or parents to be who could really benefit from this because yeah. it is, it's truly life-changing. It is. And you can do it in a minimalist way. You don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, buy into all the marketing for new parents who promise you that this thing is going to you know solve all your problems or <laughs> right well, easier and i love that you know it sounds like this the course would be no clutter, no clutter. but also very very beneficial so i'm all about that yeah your friend's gonna get plenty of baby blankets Trust oh my me. gosh yeah yeah they don't need any more <laughs> nope well thank you so much I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Renee. Hey again. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love. Until next time.